Hey, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. I'm your host, Parker Sedecase, and this is a podcast where we explore all the deepest ideas in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. I really love thinking about cool stuff, so come think with me. On this episode, I have with me, once again, Joe Schmid, and we're going to be talking about the books that helped us learn philosophy, books that most influenced us, books that we think will be influential and helpful for others. Um, Whatever, something like that. We, we, we have stacks and stacks of our favorite philosophy books, and we're going to talk about them with you guys. Uh, before I jump in, though, I want to thank everyone who's making this podcast happen over on Patreon. If you like this podcast, if you love this podcast, then please consider becoming a Patreon patron. You can find the link in the show notes, description, wherever you're, uh, wherever you're getting this podcast at. Another way you can support the podcast, if you don't want to become a patron or if you are a patron and you're just desperate for more ways to support the podcast if you look down here somewhere you can find i think it's over here somewhere uh a super thanks looks like a heart super thanks button and uh, if you like this episode you can just give a a super thanks and and show some love support the show that would be huge um all right well without further ado let's bring joe in and let's just let it rip on some philosophy books joe thanks again for coming back on the podcast yeah, dude, I'm super excited for this. I, like you said, we have stacks of books next to us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, I was just thinking uh, to, to toot my own horn. Um, I'm rivaling Taylor C or aren't I for most times coming on your channel? Yeah, that's right. So that's right. You guys watch are battling. Out, Taylor. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, dude, so you just graduated, man. Congrats, by the way. That's thank you, huge. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, I can't talk about all your accomplishments because it would, it would take the rest of the episode uh, because <laughs> you did so much. Um, but, but congrats, man, that's huge. And so, um, I thought it'd be awesome to get your thoughts on, uh, some of the books that were influential for you and not just in, in college, but I mean, you came into college with, uh, some good philosophical acumen already on your belt. So, um, let's let it rip, dude. Let's, let's talk about some books that helped us starting with, uh, history of philosophy. You got any in that category? I do. Okay. So my first two are, well, it's actually kind of like a, a volume set or whatever, but yeah. it's uh, Frederick Copleston's books for, for sure. the history of philosophy. So for I just sure. pulled out two of them right here. This one's got, well, this one looks like early modern. Uh, and then this one looks like uh, ancient Greece and Rome. So yeah, yeah anyway, um, definitely Frederick Copleston stuff is, uh, I guess, unbeatable, really. And yeah. then I just had, I wrote down two others, which were audible books that I listened to. So like while cycling and running and so on. So one of them was A.C. Grayling's The History of Philosophy. Ah, uh, yeah. And then uh, another one, which has received some criticism and rightly, but it's still pretty good. Uh, uh, it's Bertrand Russell's A History of Western Philosophy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's definitely received some criticism and, and rightly sure. so. But um, but yeah. And, oh, and finally, a shout out before I turn it over to you for this one. Um, the History of Philosophy Without Any Gaps podcast. So, oh, yeah. You can, that's such a great podcast for history of philosophy. So anyway, those are my picks <clears throat> for this one. Yeah, I I uh, made the mistake of going all the way back to the beginning with that one, and it was before it w- he's been doing it forever, Peter Adamson, um, and it's 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 hard to listen to because it's like if you were listening back then it'd be totally fine, but now we all have better mics and we have editing stuff. So, um, but he he actually has turned those into books too for for the listener. Yeah, and uh, I don't think they're that expensive. I can't remember, um, but they're good. They're really really good books uh, and a good podcast for free too. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I like that one. I was gonna pick those i haven't read his book and i stopped with the podcast and uh, copleston i have them 
they look so cool and they're so good and everyone tells me they're the best i just haven't i cracked them so i didn't want to be like disingenuous with that oh i haven't i haven't read all of the volumes but uh the, one, <laughs> yeah. the stuff from cobbleston that i have read yeah it seems unparalleled in terms of uh, history philosophy yeah yeah i hear that from from like every philosopher which is awesome <laughs> um so i picked uh i picked ones that were like really influential for me i'm gonna get some heat for this one i think but it's a history of philosophy and theology by john frame mm. and it's this big old thick old book um, you kind of have to understand like his triperspectival way of doing things, but it's really dense, really thick, a good overview of a lot of uh, philosophers and theologians. And it shows kind of the interplay between philosophers and theologians throughout history, which I thought was really cool. Um, people are not going to like that one uh, if if you're not like a, a Christian at all. Um, I also picked you kind of I kind of had to just like Plato's dialogue. Yeah, um, some of those. Uh, are really 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 good like i love i love uh Euthyphro and i say Gor uh, gorgias but oh yeah gorgias know. yeah i've heard people pronounce it differently but i think it's yeah well, at least i say gorgias but I, people yeah. pronounce it differently <clears throat> yeah well Euthyphro was was huge for me because i remember hearing that uh problem in sixth grade at, at lunch people brought up this Euthyphro dilemma and i was like oh sick and so that was really influential for me um and then i, I threw in some like classics like hey if you want to know the history of philosophy you should probably read some of these. Oh, the primary um, material, dude! I didn't prepare yeah. those, but I actually have some primary. on my desk here. So no, no, yeah, no, yeah. it's fine. After you, um, after you say yours, I'll go through some of the classics that I have on my desk. Awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Awesome. Perfect. So you got Plato. I, I didn't do much Aristotle. Sorry, everyone. But Nick, Nick ethics, like go in. Everyone has to read that. Um, but dude, I love Descartes. Descartes. Oh, my God. yes. I dude, absolutely love so Descartes. Nice. It's so nice to list like to read. It's it's like it flows really nicely. He's a good writer yeah. and it's yeah. really accessible too. So yeah. yeah, totally. And you can like chew on his ideas. Sometimes you hear him critiqued. Um, I don't know, by modern folks or whatever, like we don't believe this stuff anymore. It's like, go wrestle with it yourself. Go, go see. Like it's, it's fascinating. Is he really saying that? I, everyone, um, I always hear everyone talk about meditations, but my favorite actually, uh, discourse on the method, just a shorter little punchy, uh, version, I would say. Um, <clears throat> I also picked Pascal's Pensees. Uh, oh, this is, this yeah, is, I have that one next to me as well. This is Pensees. My podcast is Pensees. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, it's just so good, man. It's like this is kind of what you imagine philosophy being. Um, they are kind of like gnomic statements. I think it was supposed to be an apologetics book, but he didn't finish. But uh, there are some pretty good arguments in here, I think, too. And people have gone on to develop them. So philosophy of religion type stuff as well. Um, I think you'll probably have this one close. But uh, St. Augustine's Confessions. Dude, I just pulled that one up. This I knew is like it. One of yeah, my I figured you would. Oh, I saw yes. you posting about it this year. Yes, look at that. Yeah, I love so it. good. I've been trying to like, I've been trying to read it once a year. Oh, you can't see my notes and stuff pop up, but um, love it, love it. And I need to work on different translations as well. And then um, uh, Marcus Rilly's, uh Meditations. Interesting. I, I think it, that's another like philosopher one where you're like, I haven't read that one. This Can is you like, tell me about that one. Just tell me about yeah, some of the contents. For sure, for sure. So he's um, he is uh, it's debatable whether he is or not. But now I'm forgetting the word. He's a Stoic. But, you know, this is all contested.
but he's got these great lines where <clears throat> he's like tell, he's writing himself a journal for life and he's saying hey meditate on these before you uh, when you wake up before you go out into the city know that people are going to be irascible and, and they're going to be um they're going to mess with you and all sorts of stuff but be cool man you can't control that stuff but you can't control your inner life um he kind of contradicts himself on some stuff but it's it's his personal diary that he's reading to meditate on so he's not trying to like publish the you know uh the end of philosophy or sounds like, like he's the original uh 12 rules for life yeah 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 <laughs> going totally. around calling people bucko and yeah that's right yeah room. right here right here yeah and uh, line 12 bucko there you go so. and the lobsters <clears throat> yeah he tosses in some stuff on logos i believe which is fun um but that's it's just like that's what a lot of pe public people think philosophy is so go ahead and read it that's awesome yeah do that um okay and then the last two this one I, I doubt a lot of people will know about, but it's called the Syntopicon, and it's a two-part series. Um, it's actually like the beginning of uh, this set that I have back here, The Great Works of the Western Tradition. And uh, this is mostly, I believe, by Mortimer Adler, but I, I, he probably had a team on it. But it's uh, an encyclopedia of the great ideas. So he says there's 102 great ideas, like uh, man and world and knowledge, matter, mind, uh, poetry, like it, it's the stuff that philosophers mess with. And Adler was big on education and said, if you can't, if you can't successfully talk about those intellectually, then you, you may not be educated yet. So grapple with the great ideas. And it's kind of a history of, of ideas tradition. I love these. Yeah. These are really good. Yeah. Some of these, it's so underrated reading these sorts of um, like the, the the primary material from these like historical philosophers. That's so underrated, totally. at, le for, at least for me. I I uh, I don't know. I've always been exposed to these more contemporary like introductions and like papers and articles and journals. Yeah, like, that's been my primary education. Um, now, uh, thankfully, I've been able to take history of philosophy classes at Purdue, and we go to the primary material. That's why I have a lot of these. Um, yeah. But I found that it's a it's a really good source of wisdom and so on. So. Yeah, I, I did bring up my confessions. That was uh, that's has to be on there because it's one of my favorites. It was really really good. I we read that with Jeff Brower in one of our medieval philosophical theology classes. Um, it was a philosophy class, but um, yeah. so of course I've got here Anselm's Prologion or oh, Prologion. Yeah, yeah. Um, now people only know this for the ontological argument. There's <laughs> so much in here that's really right. good. I honestly love the first chapter, arousing of the mind to the contemplation mm -hmm. of God. Um, I want to read the first paragraph um, just because, I mean, you don't even have to like imagine, like even if you're a non-theist, right? Instead of thinking like God, maybe, I don't know, put in some other ideal like philosophy or truth or virtue mm. or something like that. Um, so the first paragraph is, come now, insignificant mortal, leave behind your concerns for a little while and retreat for a short time from your restless thoughts. Cast off your burdens and cares. Set aside your labor and toil. Just for a little while, make room for God and rest a while in him. Mm -hmm. Enter into the chamber of your mind. That's, so that's a quote from Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 6 or whatever. Uh, so enter into the chamber of your mind. Shut out everything but God and whatever helps you to seek him and seek him behind closed doors. Speak now, my whole heart. Say to God, I seek your face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. So, and it's, it's so interesting. And he it's talks awesome. about faith-seeking understanding. And like, uh, it's, and it's a really interesting book. And he, he goes through his philosophical theolo theology and th this one also has Gonalo's replies um so anyway that's really good yeah um the second one and i haven't read this whole 
thing, this whole book here, but I've, I've certainly read portions and it's very good. Uh, David Hume's Dialogues Concerning Natural Religion. Yeah, classic, that's a good one too. Um, for mm-hmm. uh, the like non-theistic criticisms of certain theistic arguments. So it's a, definitely a classic for that. Um, Augustine's On Free Choice of the Will. This is very, very good. He has like in yeah. here like an ode to truth. Um, man, I have so many different underlines in here, but I forget. Uh, I don't, I won't be able to pull it out, but it was so good. And it was, yeah, it was just so lovely. Um, and yeah, this is where he com- contemplates about freedom and foreknowledge. And yeah, it's just, it's super interesting. Oh, I think I might have found it. Let's see. Yeah, uh, you you say something for the audience while I think I... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is good because um, uh, at the end, we're going to talk about like public philosophy and... Uh, Something I've been wrestling with a lot lately, I've been trying so hard to be an analytic philosopher. Um, but when I talk to people and say, hey, I'm starting to become a philosopher, they're all like, oh, so what do you think of uh, the meditations? What do you think about Nietzsche? And I'm like, oh, no, dude, like, that's not really what I'm trying to study. But I, I've just been uh, changing my mind on this. And I'm thinking, I want to do it all. I want to be a philosopher. Like, I want to be able to talk about uh, Anselm's ontological argument in, in his own words. And I want to be able to talk about modern conceptions of that and how it's uh, in its analytic form. I would, I just want it all. I don't want to have to be like, oh, sorry, I I study modal logics, and so I can't talk to you about, uh, you know, whoever. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked that we're talking about this these kind of folks too. Yeah. So I I don't think I found the specific passage, but here's just one line. Um, what is more fragrant, more delightful than the gentle breath of truth? So like that's the sort of thing that you're getting with Augustine. You might not think yeah. it, but it's like it's this poetic brilliance. I mean, it's so good. Um, and then my final one that I had on that. Oh no, I had two more. One of them is actually up there behind me. It is hmm. uh, George Barclay's A Treatise Concerning the Principles of Human Knowledge. Oh, yeah, super sure. interesting. Yeah. Like actually rigorous arguments for idealism. Like super mm-hmm. interesting. And he's a good writer. It's enjoyable. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Boethius, The Constellations of Philosophy. Oh man, so, that's good. It's so good. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Um, talks about fortune and. Uh, and fate and how like happiness is in goodness and these like unchangeable things. It's great. Um, anyway. Yeah. And he like so, wrote it in prison, which is, yeah, he wrote topic. it in prison. And then he, there's this like, embodiment of philosophy, like lady philosophy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super, it, there's so much symbolism in it that you could just reflect on it. Like the different colors that are at play, um, like the different uh, word, like there are certain, I think phi is written on her somewhere and then T for truth or something. It was, it's really mm. interesting. I love so, that symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of symbolism as well. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're pretty good at that. People absolutely love your existential uh, quantifier shirt. So, uh, <laughs> get your own thing there. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's the last stuff for, um, awesome. maybe we can move on to philosophy in general. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So in philosophy in general, I was thinking, um, for me, I was thinking things that have helped me learn to do philosophy and, um, and have given me kind of a picture of what I want, uh, the kind of philosopher I want to be. So, um, you know, let me let me jump in first on these, um, and then then we'll hear yours. Actually, Dude, no, right, I just talked. We can yeah. take turns doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can take turns. We can take turns. That's good. Um, here's one that that I picked that's really interesting that was really influential on me. Um, it's by Richard Weaver. Ideas have consequences. I've never heard of this one. Yeah, so he um he was a rhetorician at uh, Chicago, and kind of from what I gather, kind of this crotchety old curmudgeon, but um he was bemoaning the turn to subjectivism in like 19, I think this is 1948. Um, and so he's, he's talking about uh, a transcendent reality and basically he's a Platonist, but he's also rhetorician. So he writes really, really well. And um, this was one of the first that just kind of got me into philosophy 
and showed me that I want to be able to write in a way that's intriguing, that draws people in, but doesn't um, take the cookies down from the top shelf, but brings the reader up to the top yeah. shelf. And mm-hmm. so this is just a really, really rich one. Um, it's good. I, I really like him. And if for those who do know Richard Weaver and in the rhetorician school, they're like, yes, someone finally mentioned him. So there's a little nod to them. Dude, the rhetoricians are kind of owning it right now because Augustine was a rhetorician. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's, reason, right. that's one of the reasons why he's so good at writing and why you guys should read Augustine. Totally. Yeah. In my theist tier list, I had Augustine as number one. Oh, dude. Tier, so, yeah. <laughs> as number one, you said? Yeah, in the S tier, number one in the S tier. So. Huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a yeah. big Augustine fan, even though I don't like his stuff on Eternal Conscious Torment and so on. But set that aside. <clears throat> sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's get yours, one of yours. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I have a lot for this one just because this is one of my passions, helping people think critically in the context of philosophy. Hmm. So uh, we can go through a number of mine. It's, it's not too many, um, but I can go through them quickly. So anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll just... So the first two that I had, it's like a companion. It's philosophy one and philosophy two. Um, hmm. Philosophy one is a guide through the subject, and philosophy two is further through the subject. Is that first one A.C. Grayling? Yeah, these is are it... both. Well, it's edited okay. by A.C. Grayling. Okay, um, I got so, the first one. Yeah. yeah, so what they have in here is like, oh, my goodness. It's basically they're almost book length in their own right. But um, it's an edited collection, and this, is, this was meant for, I think, the students for um, – it's basically like a map of the philosophical terrain. And it basically is supposed to be precisely a guide through philosophy for beginners. And there are extended essays here, and they're commissioned from uh, leading philosophers, and they're surveying major areas and the various arguments and debates therein. And so um, philosophy one, which is this one, it has um, epistemology, philosophical logic, um, philosophy of science, metaphysics, philosophy of mind. And again, if these people, these are not no names. It's David Papineau, um, yeah. you know, Tim Crane, and so on. So, Rod, yeah ethics, aesthetics, and then the next one they have philosophy of religion, philosophy of mathematics. So anyway, this was actually designed for, I think, um, it was either Oxford students, I forget precisely, but it was designed for their courses. Um, and it's, it's just so good. Both of those, they get people in philosophy really, really well. Yeah. So those are my first two. The next one is, of course, Knowledge, Reality, and Value by Michael Humer. Awesome, I absolutely man. love this one. It was so good. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, it's sort of... I, most people who people who are kind of entrenched in philosophy have already covered a lot of this terrain, but sure. this is so good for someone who really wants to see like what is philosophy? How do you think philosophically? Um, and I don't know. Humor is just such a great writer, and he, he he goes through so many different chapters, goes through epistemology, metaphysics, and like things that are actually interesting to people. So he talks about like the interesting questions, like yeah. can we survive past death? Do we have free will? Uh, does God exist? And these sorts of things. Yeah. In addition to helping people think critically right the first couple the first few chapters are about philosophy and thinking critically yeah so he's he's such a special case because he is a top philosopher um Mm -hmm. i've heard people say he's 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 the best living um you know that's totally debatable and all that stuff but (laughs) yeah but he's really really good and uh his bayesian stuff he just lets it rip and he can still write at the public level and he still writes a ton of blog articles and stuff so um, that's a that's a really good one because he can do both. I love Absolutely. that. Yeah, that's so wonderful as well. And that's what we are kind of trying to do with our respective shows or podcasts yeah, or whatever. Right. We're trying to bring it down now. We don't always, or at least I don't always succeed in that. Sometimes it's way too uh, <laughs> heady. Yeah. Um, the next one is a timeless one, the Philosopher's Toolkit, of course. this is. The, oh, man. I had to get me. the updated edition, the third edition, just because I really liked it. And yeah, this, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. This yeah. is one of the books that kind of really got me into um, philosophy. Same, um, yeah. Uh, and I know we have later we'll talk about what books got us into philosophy of religion. So I've also got some for that. But this is one of the ones that got me into philosophy. Again, it's all about like the toolkit, about critical thinking in the context of yeah. philosophy. 
which of course brings us to uh, the majesty of reason, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I do recommend people, um, I guess I'd recommend some other books before this one because it does get a little bit um, technical at certain points, but uh, this really can help people sharpen their critical thinking toolkits, specifically totally. in the context of philosophy. Um, yeah. And then I just have two more. Um, one of them is, this one is so unique, just the arguments, 100 of the most important arguments in Western philosophy. Huh. So basically these guys were just like, cut the crap. Like there are, <laughs> there are so many interesting philosophical arguments that you'd have to like wade through a bunch, like, I don't know, a lot of tangential material and so on. And so what they do is they condense it down. They get a bunch of different specialized scholars in these different areas. So on Aquinas' five way, they, they have Tim Paul, right? And, and huh. so they're basically, on the, they have the Euthyphro Dilemma. What they do is they, they give the arguments in like really rigorous format. And it's like just the arguments with a little bit wow. of commentary, a little bit of commentary on the justifications for the premises. So part one is philosophy of religion. They have Aquinas' five ways, the contingency argument, the Kalam, the ontological argument, Pascal's wager, problem of evil, free will defense, um, all this sort of stuff. Then they have metaphysics. Um, so they got like McTaggart, they've got idealism, Lewis and possible worlds, personal identity, ship of Theseus. They've got epistemology in here. Um, they've got everything, ethics, um, Joe, how, how rigorous are the um, formulations of those arguments? Yeah, let me get an example. So I'll just uh, bring up Tim Paul's chapter. Sure. Um, <laughs> we're talking quite rigorous. Um, so let me just show you this. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but... Uh, yeah. So premise one, there is an ordered series of efficient causes. Premise two, necessarily, if X is an efficient cause of Y, then X is prior to Y. Conclusion one, necessarily, if X is an efficient cause of X, then X is prior to X, which follows from instantiation and premise two, then mm. premise three. So you can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great, dude. It's really good. When you first said uh -huh. it, I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. But no, it's like a real, it's a legit book. That's awesome. Yeah, this is a, uh, th these are like actual scholars in the field. So this is very good and it's Wiley Blackwell. Um, I absolutely love that. And then the final one is David Papineau, Philosophical Devices. I cannot yes. recommend this. I can't recommend this any further. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> Proofs, probabilities, possibilities, and sets. So basically, like, this is, if you want to read, like, philosophy papers, like, you're going to want to read this because it talks about, okay, here's the basics of set theory, okay? Here's what a set is. Here's what set membership is. Here's, here's Russell's paradox. Here's the axiom of comprehension and those sorts of things. And then here's the basics of infinity. So what you need to understand to get into these sorts of debates. Then it talks about necessity and, like, what is a possible world? What, what are these different things? What are these different kinds of possibilities? Uh, and then it talks about probability. So certain like basic things that you need to know to get into probability, like Bayes' theorem and updating degrees of belief and conditionalization. Um, and then it goes into logic. So the distinction between syntax and semantics, uh, syntactic consequence, semantic consequence. It's really good. And it's actually not like super duper unintelligible or anything like that. Like he's very good at explaining David Papineau. So yeah. That's yeah. my stuff. Sorry, I know that was long, but... No, that's great. That's great. Uh, Papineau was on my list as well. I think I left it upstairs, but uh, I just... I uh, have been reading that myself. And after uh, talking about uh, philosophy of math uh, with Mark Colovan uh, and, and checking out like mathematical philosophy versus philosophical mathematics, just Papineau kind of nailed the, the nail in the coffin to show like analytic philosophy uses the tools of math. Here's what's up. Like just get these down and you will have a better time. Just get these under. And, and when you understand them, um, it, it opens up a lot of different doors for you. So I, yeah, I, I really, really like Pepper. It lays book. the foundations really well. Like a lot of people go into this stuff and like, well, I don't know. It just, it defines, it's so nice to have a one place where it's like, it's defining what a set is. It's defining set membership. Right. It's defining base. And it's or, concise, like, super it, concise. It's concise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, like yeah. this is a small book. Like look at it people. And he covers right. a lot of stuff in here. And definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. Huge one. Um, 
I also, I, I guess I forgot Ted Sider's book, but um, Logic for Philosophy. Oh, yeah, that, that that's a must. That's a must yeah. for people who, yeah. Another one that's just like a lot of inside baseball type stuff where you're like, what? oh, that's why they say that. Oh, because sometimes you go through different logic books and people just pick different symbols for different things or, or different sets of symbols, right? And you're like, well, what? why is the U? Why is that? Okay. Oh, but if you understand set theory, now you understand why they're using that. And they didn't yeah. want to tell you about set theory because they thought they were helping you out in the other logic books, but they actually didn't really help you out. They just gave you the symbol to use without understanding. Yeah. So um, Ted Siders is another one that I thought was awesome. Um, Life's Ultimate Questions by Ronald Nash. It's, uh, it's, it's an, it's an old, older book. There we go. Um, this one is actually the opposite probably of just the arguments. This one is showing uh, kind of like a worldview analysis. And that word is super loaded and controversial but he wrote this like in the 80s so or no maybe it's 99 but still we can forgive him um but <clears throat> he goes over things like naturalism um uh and then he, he looks at like plato aristotle aquinas uh augustine uh plotinus but then he, he introduced you into things like the law of non-contradiction possible worlds epistemology he's got three chapters on epistemology then he started getting getting into uh, proofs for god's existence and such and showing how um, your beliefs affect other beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he's getting at. When he says worldview, he means like just the, the, um, the propositions, right? I, I'm cognitive. I have another word for it, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Um, schema. It'll come back to me, but this, this is a pretty good one. I, I like this one. Um, I think it might pair really well with just the arguments because you're getting to see uh, a fuller picture of someone, but you're also getting, you know, if you just go with just the arguments, a pared down version. Yeah, that's what all like these. A lot of these are complementary to to each other because it's like this one will philosophical devices will give you a lot of the um, the basics for like the formalisms used, and then just the arguments is going to be able to help you like really winnow down and get yeah. like and like these are actually like like it says the most important arguments in Western philosophy. So it's like you're gonna find the experience machine in here. You're gonna find like mm. these sorts of things in here. It, it's it's going through some of these famous arguments like Ship of Theseus and other sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, and combine that with all the other ones where it's like a, like a lay of the land of philosophy, where it's like, this is what ethics is about. These are the questions that they ask. So like all of these together, people can mix and match and they should mix and match if they want to get deeper into these sorts of things. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I, I can't, I, mean, I got to say it again. The philosopher's toolkit yeah. was, was really good. And again, giving you language to use when you're talking with yeah, other philosophers. Conceptual, it's like a conceptual empowerment. That's how I yeah. kind of think of That's it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, allowing you to be able to wield these things and clarify your own thinking and the thinking of the contexts in which you find yourself. So, yeah, I, I also learned, um, like when you do have, say that word again, what, what, what was the phrase you just used? Conceptual empowerment. Yeah, that's nice dude. When you have conceptual empowerment, um, it's just using shorthand. So instead of saying like the theory of knowledge being like, Oh, what epistemology or yeah. epistemologically. And it's like, Oh, if you heard from the outside, you think you might think they're just trying to sound smart. But when you actually get inside, you realize, I don't want to say the full sentence. I'm going to use the shorthand words for different things. Yeah, but also, once you have a word for that, I don't know, like, it opens you It opens you up. Like, some people, when they talk about, for instance, the moral argument, right, they confuse mm-hmm. the moral epistemology with the moral ontology, you know? Sure. Like, they'll sure. be like, uh, on both sides, but let's just pick one side. When an atheist is responding to the moral argument, be like, oh, no, atheists can easily know what's right and wrong. Like, oh, you're yeah. saying that atheists are immoral? Like... But but the thing is, like once you have these concepts, you can distinguish between the moral epistemology, how we yeah. come to have epistemic access to the facts, and the moral ontology, like uh, the very nature of those facts out there in reality. Right. So 
it's it's empowering in that sense. You you now can make that distinction between the epistemic side of things and the ontological side of things. And that yeah. comes up in a bunch of different contexts. So and and when you're talking with someone who also recognizes those concepts, you can move way faster. Yeah, uh, exactly. You don't you don't have to explain and you don't have to look like a douche either cuz like when someone doesn't, it's really hard to not look like a douche. Like I think you're confusing the ontology and the epistemology here. I I don't want to like belittle you or anything like that, but like I think that's what's going on. And it's just it's just difficult. It is yeah. it's more difficult when we're not all speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I got on here is uh, philosophical foundations. I, I, I love the, that one. Okay, yeah, it the, sounds the weird. It sounds, <laughs> sorry, I need to interject, but I actually do really like that one. I mean, there are portions that I don't like, like some sure. of the arguments for God's existence. I find and the chapters I find I'm somewhat biased, and they don't cover mm-hmm. some of the strong objections. They don't engage with some of the best material that criticizes it, and so on. So I I definitely do have reservations about it, but overall. It yeah. is a good book that I still recommend to people because it does give you like the basics of logic, the basics of critical thinking and so right. on. Um, and so it is good in that sense. So anyway, yeah. I just wanted to say I do like that one. And I, yeah. I, uh, I listened to that like twice on Audible. So Oh, nice. Yeah. And this is the second edition. I haven't seen uh, a ton of the like updates that they've made. Um, I, I cut my teeth on the first one and I was coming at it <clears throat> uh, back in the day when I was like hardcore pre-supper. So I was like, mm, I don't know about William Lane Craig. <clears throat> so I also had my reservation, was, which, which changed now. But um, yeah, just as, a, as an overview, if you wanted a one-stop shop for getting mm-hmm. deep uh, into philosophy, like this is the place to start. Just eat the meat and spit the bones. Learn to be a philosopher along the way and challenge their arguments as well. <clears throat> uh, what else we got? Okay, I got th- uh, a couple more here. This might be uh, a hot take. This might be spicy, but it's one of my favorite books, uh, Modern Philosophy by Roger Scruton. Do you, do you know about Roger Scruton? I never know if anyone well, knows about him. I've heard of him, yeah. Isn't he the conservative <clears throat> philosopher? Like, See, that's, he, yeah, that's all that's people usually, I know, like the yeah, carbon that's of kind conservatism. Of, yeah, that's kind of how he got um, um, big, but <clears throat> I believe he did his PhD under Peter Strawson on like the ethics or uh, like the nature of beauty. And, and at that time, that was like the resurgence of Kantian transcendental arguments and stuff over there so he was big into kant and he really helped me understand what kant was getting at but this book is like another inside inside baseball um not so much as like the technical stuff but just knowing like what are people talking about um he goes in really deep he's another really really good author um he'll he'll give you all the arguments but for me this was so huge in just knowing the figures like who's fichte and you know so it's kind of a history of philosophy but it's the modern period and he does a good job of, of give, he's a little biased for sure. Like he goes in on uh, planning a, and his ontological argument and stuff, but <clears throat> awesome. I, I think it's a really amazing book and I commend it because a lot of people just see uh, Sir Roger Scruton as like the politics guy, but he's yeah. a philosopher in his own right. Yeah. And I, I do really in, uh, love that book. Another one would be, um, this was a newer one to me just recently, but the philosophy of philosophy. <clears throat> by okay. timothy williamson oh yeah and it's a thick old book and uh this is like how to do philosophy like i think williamson and humor are so good because their scope like they're also really good in, in all these individual fields but they're like philosophers man you ask them about stuff they'll have opinions on it yeah. they i don't know there's not a whole ton where they'd go like oh that's not uh you know i shouldn't speak on that they're like no i let's go i'll talk about that so um, this book is actually it's it's pretty tough. Some some parts are really really tough if you're just getting into philosophy, but he's a good writer too. You'll you'll learn like just take some more time and just slog through. It's 
it's a really good one. The philosophy of philosophy. I think that's a really cool idea. Like, what is philosophy? Here we go. We're we're jumping in. So he's he's getting into. Um, I should say what he's doing here a little bit. Um, <clears throat> he talks about like uh, naturalism. Um, what else is he getting in on? Um, experimental philosophy, which is this this movement. I, I don't know if it's still like a strong movement or not, but he's getting in on that and saying like there was this whole idea of we need to get away from the armchair and we need to do like experiments and stuff. And he's like the bastion. He's like the Apollo. I, I called him uh, in our episode. I called him the apologist for armchair philosophy because he's like, it's just so such rigorous philosophy from the armchair. And he's just defending that. He's not, he's saying we don't only have to do that, but we should be doing that. And uh, the broad approach is um, an inference to the best explanation. Um, that's, I think that's like the main tool that he uses in this philosophy. So, uh, another one where it's just like getting in deeper on being a philosopher and seeing it done well. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then the, this is kind of a combo, but um, Thomas Nagel, uh, the last word and uh, the view from nowhere. This I want to be like Nagel. I want to be like him. He's just a great author, um, a really good thinker, super influential dude. Like so many different sub disciplines were like, Oh, this started because of a Nagel paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Reading him is, is awesome. And then last but not least, uh, I got this book by this oh, yeah. uh, mysterious <laughs> author, <laughs> the majesty of reason, dude, this is a good book, man. This is, this is our first conversation. I yes. picked this up and we talked and, uh, it's awesome, dude. I, I love, I love it. it. This is one of your, one of your accolades from your <laughs> just brief stint, uh, in, in undergrad. Yeah, it, uh, it's wonderful <laughs> that you put that on there. Because yeah, I really hope it serves people. So, yeah, yeah wonderful. Definitely, but man. Love now it. we could probably, do we have philosophy of religion next? Yes. And this will Ooh. probably be like the big one. This yeah, big you went first last time, so I'll go first this time. Yeah, yep. So I know you asked what books kind of helped me get into um, philosophy of religion. So that's the first question. And then there's the distinction between like that and what helped us get into the weeds. So I guess we'll both just start with um, what helped us get into it. Hmm. So the first one, and this is going back to like, seventh eighth grade but seventh grade uh so this is not like a, some hard-hitting philosophy book people um but i read this when i was like in seventh grade and it uh kind of changed my trajectory so the language of god by francis collins whoa okay yeah i know so it's really interesting francis collins right he's like the head of the or he was the head of the human genome project that seeks yeah. the human genome or whatever um and it's super interesting he talks about firstly the relationship between science and faith so that's that's um that's part part one, and he talks about his uh, his journey from atheism to theism, and then he talks about the part two is the great questions of human existence. So he talks about the origins of the universe, life on Earth, um, the human genome, and basically he goes through and he kind of develops. Um, he argues for a harmony between science and faith, and he develops um, a kind of theistic evolutionist view, okay. and he provides some really good criticisms of creationism and, and, and this like uh, intelligent design views and he's the founder i think of the biologos organization which is mm. um what this is really i think this helped kind of launch it it's associated with it but anyway when i was in seventh grade like this really these were the questions that i was asking because we were le- starting to learn about evolution and so on so i was like how does this interact with um, my faith and so on um so yeah anyway this book is definitely really influential in just shaping me and getting me into philosophy in the first yeah. place uh, in philosophy of religion specifically. Hmm. And then uh, I guess what also helped me get into philosophy of religion is um, my favorite intro to philosophy of religion, which is William Rowe's intro to philosophy of religion. Oh, yeah. He yeah. has, uh, I think it's just called Introduction to Philosophy of Religion. And that's my favorite intro. So, um, yeah, uh, those are the those are the ones that 
that I picked for that one. Bill, I'll turn it over to you for what helped you get into it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, huge. So uh, what helped me get into it? I think I, I have to say uh, C.S. Lewis's Miracles, oh. um, which I don't know, man. I don't know what you think about that. Have you read this one before? Miracles? Uh, I don't think so. I, I've read uh, Mere Christianity or whatever, sure. but I don't think I've read Miracles. Yeah. This is I. It's my favorite book by him. I try to read it at least once a year, and um, he. This is where he develops his uh, argument from reason, which uh, it, he he doesn't say it's his, but um, came back from like William Balfour, mm-hmm. uh, and then before that, like it, it goes it goes back. Everyone says it goes back to Plato. Of course, you have to say that. But um, <clears throat> really, really, really good in uh, the conversation that he develops between supernaturalism and naturalism and i was like i want to do this and i would try out his argument from reason um and it's basically about uh look if 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 there are physical causes that give rise to our beliefs um then in some sense that's a a self-defeating belief and it's like is that true is that true like how do we how do we how how can we think through that like the self-defeat arguments, I love. I love trying to get in. Are, do they ever work? Is there actually one? Is there a difference between self-defeat and self-refutation? I love that kind of stuff. And my friends like hammer me and they're like, it's too quick. You just want a quick one. I'm like, no, it's just a sweet puzzle. You get in one of these weird spots when you get to self-reference type stuff. I love it. So that really opened up my my mind to philosophy in general. But I started through thinking about this debate between naturalism and supernaturalism. He he also goes on um, to do some really like cool, interesting philosophy. He talks about the corn king and how um, you know if you think about like a pagan society and they're worshiping the corn king and they're sacrificing to him. Um, he's like, well, Christ is the corn king. If you believe in God and He is the God of the universe, He actually is that corn king. So. Let's think about this. And so it just it, it opened my mind to a lot of um, the philosophy of religion type stuff. And then like maybe even like the, the folk understanding of philosophy of religion, where it's like really comparative religions. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so that would. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what everyone thinks philosophy of religion is. So that was a, a really big one that got me in. Uh, I put mere Christianity on here. I used to hate this book. Um, <laughs> I loved his miracles and I hated uh, mere, uh, mere Christianity. But then when I came to find out like what it is and the history behind it and that he was going into he was going into uh, Britain, he was going into London from the safety of Oxford and while they were bombing London to uh-huh. give these broadcast talks. I'm like, that's super epic, dude. And then I started to appreciate some more of his stuff. So um, then just wrestling with this book uh, also bring me in, brought me in. So those are just the two that I think sucked me in pretty good. Oh, wait, wait, one more, one more, one more. Um <clears throat> This is like an OG book, Faith uh, and Rationality, Reason and Belief in God. Um, this is Waltersdorf and Planninga. Hmm. Um, they edit it, but um, who else is in here? Uh, this is just a super, super good one. George Mavrodes. Do you know Do you know that name at all? I've heard of that name, yes. I've he's read- like, yeah, he's a legend, man. He's like, he's like real sneaky. He wrote a bunch of uh, articles, journal articles, and like, one book or two books but everyone like talked about him so like you hear his name he talked about the uh subjectivity of uh arguments the rest no the relativity of proofs or something like that like look a proof isn't going to work on every person there's a lot more to it than just here's a knockdown drag argument for everyone no it's going to be relative to the person yeah, the, the person the specific nature of justification yeah, that's what josh go. rasmussen and i talk about that a lot yeah 
so this was that was like one of his one of his really uh influential things um yeah he's just awesome i love mavrodes he got some really weird uh essays in here or there's like short stories and they don't fit in the book at all and i <laughs> no one else has read the book so i can't talk to him i'm always if anyone else has read this book what do you think about these these short stories they're so weird and you, it's so like opaque what the point is, <laughs> but it just sucks you in. And then you get back to like planning out who's like, man, proposition 37. Here we go. So um, this one really sucked me in because I knew these names uh, like Walter's are from planning. Out, and I was like, okay, these are, these guys are serious and they're taking this stuff really seriously. And I want to be like them. Yeah. All right. So the next one was what books helped us get it deep into the weeds. Yeah. So um, I don't have all of these in physical like a physical copy a lot of them are digital so for instance sure. the number one here that helped me get into the weeds was Proust's the principle sufficient reason a reassessment mm. that one was very big on my intellectual development um that one is what kind of steered my ship from metaphysical naturalism going back to agnosticism wow okay um, so this is a huge this is very big on my intellectual development as is the next one which is Proust and rasmussen's book necessary existence it's so um, good. Both, both of these kind of awakened me as i say i've said this on other occasions but they both awakened me from my dogmatic metaphysical naturalist slumbers as Kant wow. said with respect to hume so um so yeah the, both of those are just they're so good they're really well argued and they're just uh like tip-top shape analytic philosophy is just beautiful um yeah i love it anyway so those two well, Joe, let me uh, let me let me yeah. ask you about that did you josh knows that probably right have you told him that before oh absolutely yeah that's awesome did you ever like email him before you had your youtube channel or anything like that josh yeah oh of course yeah so um okay yeah when it was way back in oh my goodness i was in high school maybe uh sophomore maybe a junior and i came across his worldview design channel somehow i don't know how huh. but I, then i started binge watching his videos and i was like who is this person so i emailed this person with some objections to some of his modal arguments and uh, yeah we went back and forth and back and forth and soon enough it's hundreds of emails later and we're really getting to know each other and eventually i, I was like okay well i've got a lot of these sorts of thoughts and i'm starting to really develop philosophically i'm gonna make a youtube channel so it was much earlier actually than my YouTube wow. channel. I, it was like even I had a, I've had my blog. My blog used to have a different name, but I've, um, I used to post certain things on my blog, and I'd share them with him, and he'd give comments. It, anyway, it was super interesting. So yes, uh, I definitely knew about Josh long before the YouTube. Scene. That's huge. I I didn't know that you guys had talked uh, with each other before that. So, so uh, it's Josh's fault here. Maybe he's a big part of that. That's <laughs> that's so cool, yeah. man. I love that. I have a yeah. I have a book uh, and a story like that with someone too. Yeah, but yeah. Keep going on your list. There. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So Bruce is definitely like as well, really huge on my um, development as well. Um, two others that are on the non-theistic side that have really helped me appreciate um, the, I guess, robustness of the intellectual side of atheism, as it were, where Oppie's arguing about gods, um, yeah. this monolithic tome that goes through like most of the arguments for God's existence, as well as J.H. Um, Sobel's logic and theism, which is just mm. wonderful. Now, of course, um, at the time, I didn't understand uh, when I when I read it at the time, I didn't understand all of it because it's got a lot of like proof stuff in there it goes through ontological yeah. arguments and you got like all these different premises and i still I, I don't think i i still don't understand all of it right because it's super duper technical logic yeah. um but uh but another point it's like really good uh and critical engagement with arguments for god's existence and like novel criticisms and so on like unlike lots of other authors indeed unlike oppie in his book arguing about gods like sobel really took for instance aquinas's arguments seriously and he huh. he saw the distinctions that most critics don't like the per se versus per accident series and um he just developed some really uh, really good criticisms yeah. um 
That one's so, been yeah, in my cart forever. So I, I'm I'm actually in my cart right now. It's like, so I good. Pull the, yeah, I need to pull the trigger on that. It's one of my favorites, um, honestly. Uh, and then just a few more. One of them I've got right here next to me that helped me uh, get deep is, of course, uh, Jesus to say, uh, Richard Sinburn, <laughs> The Existence of God. Um, this is a, a classic, of course, really well argued. And, he, you know, his Bayesian approach, the Bayes machine goes. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. Um, but, you know, he talks about intrinsic probability <laughs> and explanatory power. And he doesn't give your kind of, I guess, vanilla kind of arguments in here. You know, he's talking about arguments from consciousness and um, like a new cosmological argument that he's developed about structure and order of the universe and so on. So it's like, he's, he's a, such an original thinker and he's, yeah. he's just great. So it's not these like vanilla arguments that you hear apologists trot out one after another, like on the internet. So it's, it's yeah. really good. It's refreshing. And then another one that helped me. So just two more actually in uh, philosophy of religion that helped me get deep into the weeds were of course, it's actually kind of recent, but two dozen or so arguments for God um, a really good collection of essays. That's that one of mine too. For yes, sure. exactly. For sure. um, that develop really interesting, innovative arguments. And then uh, the final one was, I don't have it in physical form, but it's really good. Um, it is called Theism and Atheism, Opposing Perspectives in Philosophy. It's a ginormous book. Uh, and I, I have the PDF <laughs> and it's edited by Oppie and Kutursky. And mm. what they have is they have like... Um, I guess a pro side and a con side. And it's all these different issues in philosophy of religion. Like one of them is abstracta. So it's like pro for theism and abstracta. So someone would give like, I think theistic conceptualist arguments and so on. And then the con side. So it would be like for atheism from abstracta. Felipe Leon actually wrote that chapter. Huh. And you know, I had him on my channel to have that God right. in, uh, from abstracta to atheism video. It was based yeah. on that paper that he, that he wrote for, for that book. Awesome. Um, so, and you know, like op, you have all these really good contributors excuse me, all these really good contributors on so many different things, uh, cosmological arguments, teleological arguments. It's just so good. And it, religious yeah. experience. Uh, it, it's, it's such a good book. Um, so anyway, that <laughs> I know it's a lot, but that's what helped me oh, really awesome. get into the weeds. All those were super influential. And this is kind of, this is kind of where you and I uh, spend a lot of our time. So yeah. Yeah. Philosophy religion. We're going to, yeah. And our, the audience will expect that too, um, which is huge. Um, all right. So you, you're done with your list there, Joe? Yeah. Nice. Okay, I'll jump in with um, Faith and Reason. Uh, Ronald Nash again. I just love Nash. Like this dude's awesome. He's got some. Uh, he's got a lot of audio lectures still on the Reformed Theological Seminary app, and he's just like this. The way he teaches is like I want to be like him. He he would like embody the person giving the argument, and Ooh. so like so so someone pushes back on on the argument, and he goes, "Well, I don't believe that because I'm I'm." him today whoever whoever and so like if he's william Rowe or whoever he's like i don't i don't believe that i don't buy your premises i'm not christian why would i do that and <laughs> it's just like that's good dude he's like embodying that idea yeah. in order to give his students it helps like, with the, the intellectual empathy exactly yeah and so um i think he just does a it, it comes out in his book but he goes over teleological arguments and um even like like foundationalism and he was big on uh, planning a stuff uh uh with reformed epistemology type stuff but um this one this one I commend it to people. This this will help you get in deeper. And since it's like so old, uh, I think they made a bunch of them. Like you can get it really cheap online too. Um, so I, I I like that one. Um, that that helped me get in a little bit deeper. One that's like stupid rigorous that I really like is uh, Philosophy of Religion by Keith Yandel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, dude, that's such a good one for people who like uh, an intro. So after, yeah. well, I just want to interject. Sorry. After yeah, yeah. William Rowe, uh, for which is my favorite intro, just because it's like a proper intro and it's it's really good. Um, that one is probably my second, the one that okay. I recommend people after Rowe. So okay. 
Yeah. And I I am so partial to uh, this uh, contemporary introduction Rutledge series. Like, I have a They're bunch so of them. They're so good. I really, how, really like how them. How is Rutledge? Okay, I just want to say Rutledge is uh, really shining. They're, They're yes. shining above Oxford and Cambridge and, and right. Blackwell and so on. Because this this uh, contemporary introduction series is unparalleled. <clears throat> so good. And I don't know. I forgot. I always forget how much they cost. Maybe like 50 bucks or something like that. But like... I mean, Oxford books get up there too, so it's like <laughs> know. these guys are just out, you know, undercutting them and outproducing them. Uh, it's really good. Sorry, Oxford, if you want to pub- if you want to support the podcast, uh, I will change my mind. <laughs> yeah, <the> right exactly. <laughs> but um, Yandel's awesome, and he goes in on other religions too, so that's kind of nice. Like, yes. he he's a really really good philosopher. I I um I always kind of think of him as like PVI. I think of like those two, same energy. You know what I mean? Maybe. Maybe PVI is better. I don't know about that, but um, same same type of energy, and um, yeah, just problem of evil type stuff. If you want to take the next step in, if you want to level up, then uh, this is a good one. I have the second edition. Um, I, I don't know how many editions there are. I think it might just be two, but this one. I really believe good. it's actually. I think it's two. I think that's the latest okay. one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> another one helping me get in on philosophy of religion type stuff is uh, the Hiddenness of God by uh, Mike Ray, and I, I could have just as easily picked. Um, Schellenberg's book mm-hmm. um, and maybe I should have because I got just all theists here and now I'm looking super biased but uh, I I like I like Ray I like his his response whether or not you think it's uh, you know adequate um, I like that he takes the theology seriously as well he pulls in theology and and that was kind of the first time for me seeing that you can do that I, I always you know I I was under the impression that it was like you separate your theology and we're just using bare reason but Ray Ray helped me think through that kind of stuff, and uh, it was really fun talking with him on the podcast about it too. So um, specific problems, right? So getting in on specific problems. Uh, this one's super special to me. Um, it's uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, it's a Blackwell Great Minds book, um, but it's by Stuart Getz, and I was super hardcore in on uh, the argument from reason and the transcendental argument in presuppositionalism, and I actually emailed Getz back before I even started uh, any, any master's work. And we just went back and forth and I was up till like 3 a.m. emailing him. Like, I think <laughs> that's, you're like wrong, me. that's like me with Josh. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I think you're wrong. I think you don't get it. You know? And we were just going back and forth and he was, he, he was way too nice. Like, why would he care what I thought at all? But I bought the book right away and I was getting in. So it was like my first experience wrestling with a uh, legit philosopher, you know, just, just the two of us locking minds there. And he was so generous and so cool about it. I emailed him like a few years later, and he's like, "Oh yeah, of course I remember. You said this, this, and this." I was like, "What? Amazing memory!" So, dude, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I ha- I've had some similar things. So, um, for for in high school, we had this uh, full IB program, International Baccalaureate. It's like AP for those of you who took AP. It's basically sure. the same thing. It, it's slightly different, but it's basically the same thing. But anyway, we had to uh, write an extended essay for our TOK class. TOK is Theory of Knowledge. So they basically hmm. had a kind of epistemology philosophy section for your for people who went full IB um, and you had to write this extended essay. So, I mean, at the time, you know, it sounds like a lot, 4,000 words. I mean, now, that, okay. Now after having gone through college, that's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. And after publishing, you know, stuff, 4,000 words, that's like, that's a breeze, but, um, uh, or a 40,000 word blog posts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, dude, it's unreal. So, yeah. Yeah. Four, 4,000 is nothing. But my, anyway, my point is just that um, we had to write an essay and it basically, the goal was to try to contribute to knowledge. So like to actually do like research or things like that. Mm. And you got to choose whatever topic you wanted in anything. And it's this super long process. It's like one of the culminations. It's almost like a thesis really. And uh, I did mine on 
uh, philosophy, of course, and I wanted to do like an evolutionary argument from evil. And that's what I did it on. But I emailed a bunch of different philosophers. So like I emailed like Wes Morrison and um, Paul Draper and other people. And it's interesting. It's like years later when I, when I reached out to them again the first time yeah. since doing that, I'm like, do you remember me? I talked to you maybe like three years ago in high school. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that email. I'm like, Crazy. whoa, it's like super awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, people are so generous with their time. And that can really Seriously. make a difference. I, if I could just say that really makes a difference in a young person's life. Um, if you set out the time to, I don't know, just respond to some of their emails or their questions and so on. Like you can really change the trajectory of someone's life like Josh did with me. So <clears throat> it's crazy. The the amount of effort it takes for you to respond is not that much. Like. Right? whatever everyone's busy and stuff but you could just send them a quick email back but for them they're like oh my gosh he emailed yeah. me back and he took me seriously and yeah. and they're just stewing over or or you give them a short one and then they uh they go all uh, incredibles on you and syndrome and they become your uh, nemesis and they <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so careful what you say to kids i guess um uh, another another uh, uh one that got me in really deep is calvinism and the problem of evil um, you familiar with this one at all, Joe? No, I'm not. <clears throat> this has got guys like uh, Welty and Anderson. Um, it's like uh, actually, Proust is in here too, given a, a counter argument. I do know that he has. Yeah, Proust doesn't like compatibilism for that reason. Yeah, yeah, and it, so it's really cool just seeing um, at this time when it came out. It didn't. It didn't seem like there were a lot of Calvinist philosophers uh, wrestling with this stuff. Uh, so someone collected them all up. Uh, David Alexander and Daniel Johnson and was like, let's, let's talk about this. And they were really, really fun essays and they're by good philosophers on like a really tough thing that seems like it's really hard to defend. So that one got me in deep and just obsessing over like Anderson and Welty back in the day. And so uh, that was, that was one that got me in pretty good. Uh, Another, another one that's like sneaky that people wouldn't know about um, is, but that's really helpful. The many faces of evil by John Feinberg and uh, Feinberg was a professor of mine. And this is his dissertation turned book. He did a dissertation on the problem of evil at Chicago uh, in the philosophy department, which was like, how did you get into philosophy after going to Ted's? And it was just different times, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But he is, he's kind of like a robot. It's, it's pretty wild. If, if someone said that there were like actual robots and AGI was possible, I'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, because John Feinberg. Because like when he would teach from the class, he's going word for word from this book. And it's just like, how do you remember that, dude? <laughs> uh, so I would always ask him questions to go in deeper because I'm like, I read the chapter, man. I, I want to hear from you. Um, but this is really, really good going in on the problem of evil. And actually, his whole thing is that there's it's problems of evil. Mm-hmm. And they'll be raised for people based on the rest of your view. If you're if you're a consequentialist, then you'll have to deal with this. If you're a Calvinist, if you're an Arminian, it's going to be raised for you in different ways. There's the evidential problem, the logical problem, uh, the amount of evil, gratuitous evil. And it's just over and over, and he's hidden it from every angle. Uh, I, I don't think his answer works, um, but that's okay, Dr. Feinberg. We can argue about that. Um, anyways, it's a really good book, and it's a really good introduction, and it really will help you get clear on, like, what are you defending? What, what, which one? You don't have to defend if it's not you. I, I don't care. I don't care about, like, what a libertarian would say. I'm not a libertarian, so I don't have to worry about that one. So um, I, I thought it was really helpful in getting in deep on the problem of evil. And then lastly, I'll just throw in um, atheism and, and theism. Uh, and this oh, yeah. is, uh, is that Haldane? And, yeah, uh, what's Smart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, JJC Smart and JJ Haldane, which is awesome that they got the J's in there. But <laughs> I just, I really love this book. I think it's like Masterclass, two giants kind of beating up on each other. 
uh-huh. and it it seems like another one that kind of snuck underneath where not a, a whole ton of people talk about it. Yeah, but people who do know about it are like, "That's a good book." Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh man, that was a that was a thick one. Yeah. I mean, for the audience, that's going to be our biggest one because we're both, I guess, probably most interested in philosophy of religion. I mean, I also am really interested in metaphysics, but I picked more for philosophy of religion just because yeah. I think, well, I don't know. I just thought your audience would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in. Uh, metaphysics. So I went first that last one. So it's your turn to go first for metaphysics. Yeah. I think I picked this one after after my philosophy of religion. So I only, <laughs> well, there's a lot less, which is nice. But these were ones that I think... Um, they're good. They'll give you a good overview. They'll suck you in to the other stuff. So let me start with the ones. So like <clears throat> Metaphysics um, by Anna Marmadoro and Erasmus My- uh, Mayer or Meyer. I never know how to say names, but this is pretty good. It's like Neo-Aristotelian. Um, we used it in, in Paul Gould's class and it's pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty good overview. Um, it's not super long. It's not super expensive. And I think it'll do um, it'll do a good job of getting you in on stuff and from a neo-aristotelian perspective which is fun uh go read pvi for the like counter counter uh perspective and you won't have as many holes in your in your stuff that's what i'm always afraid of i don't want holes in my in my learning so um just kind of a nice little one for you (laughs) i thought you were gonna say i don't want holes in my ontology and i'm like neither do i (laughs) (laughs) and then you could talk about the ontology of holes and what the heck are those um Another really good one. Uh, this one's really good, I think. Uh, Alyssa Nay's Metaphysics. Yeah. Uh, another one we did in in Paul Gould's class, but she's she's really good. She's really clear. She's um, most of the chapters were really good. She does some stuff on like metaphysics of race, which I thought were kind of uh, a little bit weak. But that was all brand new at the time she wrote this book, I believe. So um, it's a good good primer. It'll get you in deep, and uh, another affordable one. But I, I've I've put this out on like Twitter and I get a lot of the Twitter philosophers who are like, I use that book. That's a really good book. So uh if you like Twitter, then it's another it's a good recommendation. Um this one is <clears throat> another one that I, I don't know a ton of people who know about it, but those who do freak out about it. It's the existence of the world by um an introduction to ontology by Reinhard Grossman. And this was hard to come by for a little while, but um really, really good. He talks about um the debate between like naturalists and what he calls ontologists. Um, But it's just, it's between realism and nominalism and just super cool. We're getting going in on relations. Now we're getting in, he's, he's getting rigorous and it's really short, but it's juicy. And you, he makes you like want to take his side and you want to be like, I'm an ontologist because I don't want those stupid, silly. Um, It's really fun, man. It's, it's, it's a really good book that that I really enjoyed, and uh, if you can find it, I think it's I think it might be back in print. The existence of the world, really good one. And then uh, these last two, dude, I got uh, I, I put this in uh, Rasmussen's ah uh, yes, uh, defending Lovely. the correspondence theory of truth. I put that in metaphysics. Metaphysics. I have yeah. another one on truth in like semantics or, or some other category we can make up. But uh, Rasmussen's like he's a metaphysician, and he treats truth metaphysically. And I like that. And I think it's really good. And I was so hung up on like certain things that we don't have to talk about, but like um, Davidson's uh, slingshot argument. And I think there's one from Frega and there he, he answers them. And I was like, no one else I've looked forever. No one's talking (laughs) about these. And Josh did. And so it's really, really good. It's hard. Some of them are really hard if you haven't done that, but his, his treatment of propositions is like just so good, man. I love it. it. 
I yeah. cite that. Uh, yeah, I cite it. I, I, I draw on his account of propositions in, as you probably, and you probably know this, in my uh, forthcoming Springer book, Existential Inertia and Classical Theistic Proofs. I draw on his um, his approach to propositions in the chapter on the uh, Augustinian proofs. So like, yeah. Yeah, and we and it came up in our own discussion yeah, of yeah, uh, it was, it's so good, dude. I I really yeah. like I like Josh, so I always want to like promote his stuff too. But it's just so nice that his book is so good. I can I can promote that like wholeheartedly and just push it and push it. I think it's probably expensive, so sorry guys. But uh, and then lastly, this one <clears throat> got me. This one made me love metaphysics. I always wanted to like do epistemology, and now epistemology is so hard but um, yeah it's be, i know you know this one beyond the control of god oh yeah that one's and, super fun and it's edited by paul gould but it's just like the contributors are so sick it's so good um you got keith andell who we talked about paul gould uh richard brian davis Oppie's in there oppie's in there greg welty uh who like rarely ever makes an appearance and stuff but he's he popped in uh william and craig's in there um uh scott Shalosky? That doesn't look familiar, but it looks like he's in here, too. Uh, sorry, Scott. Come on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> it's so good. It's it's good to see them just beating up on each other and getting in deep on propositions and abstracta and concepts and relating it all back to God. So this like helped me get in on philosophy of religion deeper. But I just I wanted to think about these things. And it was so cool to see people taking them seriously and just wailing on each other it was awesome yeah so it's this is fun. like this one of my it's favorite honestly, books yeah it's honestly just like a fun book too because yeah. the problems it raises are just fun i don't know I yeah think they're really interesting and they're good philosophers just 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 tearing each other apart i love that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all yeah. right so my metaphysics stuff um so yeah i didn't have too long of a list for this one um oh gosh can i point the right direction yeah, yeah i did the atlas of reality that's my favorite oh man book. dude do you have that in hardcover? I do. I got it as a Holy Christmas present. Cow. Yeah, it was, it was expensive, but it was a Christmas yeah. present like three years ago or something. But anyway, it's like my favorite metaphysics book, and I just think it's unsurpassed. So, yeah, it's the Atlas of Reality. It's so good. It gives you tools to think about these sorts of things. So it talks about the different kinds of simplicity. And anyway, just theory comparison tools, but it also it goes through the whole panoply it really is the atlas of reality yeah. <laughs> it goes to the whole panoply of issues it's like 700 or 800 pages or something so i highly recommend that i think it's coming out in soft cover like Ooh, soon so nice. that'll be nice too nice yeah well then i can dunk on people because i have the hard cover so that's right that's right um okay the second one is yet another rutledge right they're taking the cake right so it's definitely sure. the um the lux book we use this one in our metaphysics oh, yeah. class oh awesome um, it's really good and yeah it talks about Lux and Crisp, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Lux and Crisp. Yeah. It's, um, Crisp. This is the, this is the newer, this is the fourth edition. It's, I think it's the newest one. And yeah. you know, of course, um, this is something that actually got Josh interested in propositions. The chapter four, propositions and their neighbors. Hmm. Um, but anyway, it's so good. It's got the problem of universals. Goes through nominalism, realism, um, like concreta. So it talks about substrate theory, bundle theory, Aristotelian substance-based theory. It talks about propositions. It talks about modality, causation, the nature of time persistence parts and holes metaphysical indeterminacy mm. uh, and then the last chapter i think this is one of the new ones the challenge of anti-realism you know so mm. things like dummett and putnam and these sorts of people who are uh, anti-metaphysical as it were so super yeah. interesting book uh, yeah and I, I highly recommend it that, that book was super helpful when i was uh i was writing a paper uh on facts and i couldn't find stuff and this is before i could get a hold of josh's book this was like four years ago three years ago and uh, I, I finally found them in there. And it was it was that part about propositions and uh, and their neighbors. And they're talking about 
states of affairs and obtaining yeah. states of affairs as facts and so helpful. And so that was like a, a yeah, life preserver when I was drowning. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the next one that I have for, I guess, general metaphysics was, or the final one for general metaphysics. I have some specific ones. I'm in the metaphysical category. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was uh, E.J. Lowe. He has a really nice intro for intro for metaphysics. It's called A Survey of Metaphysics. So I don't have okay. a physical copy of that one, but that's yeah. highly recommended. Do you have a metaphysical copy of that or? <laughs> yes. Uh, don't we all? <laughs> so um, I just had two subcategories for, I guess, the aspects of metaphysics that interest well that interests me most or i guess three were time infinity and um, modal metaphysics mm. so for time i only had one but it's one that i now can recommend to people because it's really recent but also it's again rutledge is, is out competing people so it's right there it's right behind me the the philosophy of time a oh yeah production um it's quite new and yeah. um, i recommend that for people uh the next one that I had was modal metaphysics, and I just have one in this regard because it kind of gives a survey of a bunch of different theories, and it defends a kind of branching, act like a kind of branching actualist view or an Aristotelian powers-based view. Yeah. But again, it's Alexander Proust. It's actuality, possibility, and worlds. This one is so good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Too. It kind of convinced me of the branching view of modality, and mm. it's kind of popular nowadays. You know, Graham Oppie holds to a, a version of this view. Coons is, holds to a version of it. Josh Rasmussen is at least sympathetic to it. Alex yeah. Malpass holds to it. So anyway, um, you're in good that's company you. if you accept the view. Um, so that's modal metaphysics. And then infinity, I have one hardcover, which is behind me, of course, right? Uh, infinity, causation, and paradox. Super fun, super fun read, uh, just because it's all these different paradoxes. That's um, Proust too, right? Yeah, Alexander yeah. Proust. Um, Legend, dude. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Proust, Proust boy, as it were, yeah. So, as you can see. Yeah. Um, and then the other <laughs> one was Graham Oppie's Philosophical Perspectives on Infinity. Also hmm. a really great treatment of infinity and the issues that it raises. So, okay. um, And just the way to think about certain paradoxes. I mean, a distinction that people oftentimes overlook is like, um, you can tell an inconsistent story with anything, right? Like, I, I, if just because you can tell an inconsistent story involving a taxi, right? It doesn't follow that taxis are impossible. <laughs> so that that's something that you could take away from Oppie, and he talks about ways to evaluate these sorts of paradoxes. So, um, yeah, the basic idea is that even if some denumerable infinites are impossible, it doesn't follow that all of them would be impossible. So anyway, it's a really interesting book. I, I love that. I love when I find Oppie's work outside of philosophy of religion because he's such a good philosopher of religion and people always reference him as like the greatest living atheist. But I think uh, his work on facts, I think Rasmussen was, was mentioning that uh, our propositions back in the day and then, you know, infinities. It's just cool. Like he's a good philosopher, mm -hmm. not just a philosopher of religion. He, yeah. as, like that'd be enough, but exactly. philosopher. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should, I mean, as a caution for the audience, um, Proust's book is technical, but it has sections where they're like asterisk, where asterisked. So they're like not at the ones that are asterisked are quite technical. And some of them have double and triple asterisks. So they get into like calculus and so on. Mm. Um, so that one's kind of technical. But uh, philosophical perspectives on infinity is also quite technical, just for the uh, be aware for the audience. Um, yeah. So anyway, that that's my metaphysics stuff. OK, awesome. Uh, should we move to epistemology? Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't, so I'm the, I guess I'll go first in this one because, um, yeah. So I didn't have much in here, mainly because, yeah, I, I've, since the beginning, I found epistemology is just beyond my pay grade. <laughs> it's too <laughs> difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, but it's just there are so many different theories, and I, I find myself, I'm like, uh... <laughs> <But> anyway. 
Um, yeah. So I just have two here uh, that I, I recommend and that I've found beneficial. Um, one of them is, of course, Michael Humor's Skepticism and the Veil of Perception. Mm. Um, yeah. It's a really good defense of phenomenal conservatism. And yeah, it's it's really influential as well. Uh, he kind of invented that term. And uh, it's, yeah. it's really caught on. And a lot of good philosophers are sympathetic to it. Um, so anyway, that's, it's a good book as well that I recommend people get. And then the second one that I had here was... And unfortunately, I have neither of these in physical copy. Hmm. Was just the classic Richard Feldman book, um, just entitled "Epistemology." Um, yeah. you can't get better than that yeah, kind of classic. Right exactly. Yeah, that one. That one's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah, on to you for epistemology. Yeah. So I, I love the Feldman book. Um, yeah, humor's good. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking with this one. I was just kind of grabbing randoms, but <clears throat> um, this like what what was influential for me first was another John Frame book. So shout out to the people who know that that is. It's the doctrine of the knowledge of god this is like i knew nothing about anything and i didn't even know that part of it so like he just helped me like get into what is uh what is epistemology and we were just talking about like what is justification perspectives on justification and then like just random stuff like the duck rabbit like i learned about the duck duck rabbit from this book like way back in the day like i don't know 2014 or something so um that was huge this one, uh, another one that people just won't like, but it's a survey of Christian epistemology. I had to throw in some Van Til here, but this got me into thinking about transcendental arguments and going from there to like Peter Strawson's type stuff. Um, uh, AC Grayling used to be like really big into like the refutation of skepticism and trying to use transcendental arguments. So from there I got into, um, that's how I got into epistemology. So Robert Stern's transcendental arguments and skepticism. Um, so I, I got in like on the skeptic, skeptical route. <clears throat> can we know anything like for certain? Like, <clears throat> um, so I love, I love that stuff. I love that kind of literature. Robert Stern. Awesome. Um, then I, I went to, um, <clears throat> these are like the people I learned epistemology from. So like warrant and proper function, warrant and the current, <clears throat> current debate, man, I'm struggling right now. Joe, hang on. Can I get some water? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> man. I can entertain the audience if you want. I know you, you might cut this out, but yeah. Entertain them, dude. Get them. Okay. So uh, let me just take my shirt off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, epistemology, I guess it's interesting, but it's. I've always just found there are so many, like, skepticism, it's so difficult. There's so many different solutions to it, responses to it. It's like, do you take phenomenal conservatism? Do you go an externalist route? It's just a root, so people pronounce it differently. But anyway, it's just so difficult. Um, that's why I only picked two for that one. Yeah. Thanks, dude. That was great. I'm glad uh, you didn't take your shirt off, but... <clears throat> Yeah, well, so yeah. what I was saying about planning, like these are, this is like really good survey of the times, like Bonjour and, and like <clears throat> Chisholm and like who are these guys? Like what are they saying? Here's his argument. Um, all, all the kind of stuff, like the XX pill and, and all that like tricky, tricky stuff. This is, this was my introduction. A lot of it was really hard. I probably should have started somewhere else. But, um, Super, super thankful. I, I no longer like hold to his view, but um, he's not really super going over his view in these either. Uh, just really, really helpful. Um, <clears throat> I would definitely recommend going through Richard Feldman's Epistemology first. Um, epistemology first prior to any of these other ones. Just super, super helpful. Uh, another really good one, kind of along the same lines of the stuff that I like, is the Epistemological Skyhook. And this used to be stupid, stupid expensive. And I bought it <clears throat> with like Christmas money. And it's uh, it's like a compendium of 
self-defeating arguments uh, against naturalism and uh, determinism. <clears throat> and he, he, he traces them out and he, uh, Jim Slagle, he's been on the podcast a couple times. Awesome guy. Really love this guy. But yeah, he's, he's trying to make these arguments more, uh, more rigorous. And then he gives his own uh, a priori teleological argument against uh, determinism and uh, naturalism at the end. So <clears throat> really cool book, but like a super good overview and will help you get in on the literature uh, and understanding like self-defeat type stuff. Uh, and then lastly, like, dude, I love Barry Stroud. This this book got ripped when I was moving, which is really sad. But Understanding Human Knowledge, really good. This is like uh, a bunch of his essays in epistemology. And Barry Stroud is awesome. He's like, he's like always arguing on behalf of the skeptic. He's like, yeah, I'm not a skeptic myself. But here's why we can't know anything. And you're like, Barry, dude, like, what the heck? And he just, <clears throat> he's really, um, he's really intellectually honest. He's like, I don't think that we've solved these problems yet. And you guys have moved on, but no one's talked about them. So can we just talk about them some more? I'm not saying that they're knocked down, that we all have to be skeptics. But he's like, you haven't done it. And I just love that kind of like, he's just throwing down the gauntlet. Like, let's go back and let's talk. Um, uh, that type of mentality is is super good. Um, so yeah, that's that, those are the ones. I know Like people are like, there's so much other epistemology. Dude, I'm with Joe. Like, epistemology is tough, man. Like, there are a lot of good things, and there's a lot of good essays, knowledge first type stuff. But um, I, I don't think I have a super amazing grasp on them to, to even like offer someone else. So I, I'm not the guy to give you all the the inside scoop on that. And side. neither am I for epistemology, certainly, and some of these other domains as we're about to see. Yeah, <laughs> my forte now is kind of past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Now we're just like showing what we we haven't read, I guess. But um, Okay, uh, fill mine type stuff. What do you? You're think? first on this one. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, I this is another one that I, I geek out over, and uh, I don't have the, just tons of essays. There's a lot of essays in this stuff, and really, really important, influential essays that you just have to kind of master. Like, uh, what is it like to be a bat type stuff, uh, yeah. and and like the Chinese room, and 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 these kind of the merry argument. So. <clears throat> This is a one-stop shop. Uh, Philosophy of Mind is edited by uh, Chalmers, David Chalmers, Classical and Contemporary Readings. This is the second edition. I think it just came out this year. And we use this in Brandon Rickabaugh's class. But, man, if you read, like, this whole thing, you would have such a good grasp of the philosophy of mind. It's it's really, really good. I love the choices. I love the selections. Uh, one-stop shop. So good. So good. So <clears throat> I didn't pick, like, a ton but ones that I thought would be super duper helpful. Again, Routledge, John Heil's book. <clears throat> I have that one. Yeah, that's on my list. So good. Um, this is the third edition. I have the fourth as well. And I think in the fourth, he brought back Donald Davidson's anomalous monism, which oh, is cool. Yeah. But like, man, good luck understanding what he's saying there. Um, so I do like the third one better. So um, I would just recommend the third one. It's He's got more stuff that he didn't cut out. There's not a huge difference if you get the fourth, whatever. But um, I do really, really, really like this book. And I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. But again, it's it's in the same series. The series is gold. I love it. <clears throat> so that was good. Uh, the Emergent Self. Uh, oh, this is yeah. William Hasker. Yeah, Hasker. I love this because I, I think Hasker is such a good philosopher. And this is a tough book. I bought it way long ago. and wasn't able to actually get into it until years after I bought it. I just love it. I love this type of stuff. I love the way he thinks, too. Um, 
super super good. He he develops his um, emergent mind thesis where it, I, I love the thesis emergent dualism that like the mind emerges out of uh, the the stuff of matter. So it's kind of I think it is kind of committed to like a uh, proto panpsychism or pan proto psychism, but dude, it's good, man. It's really fun. I really like getting into that. And then I think this is the best philosophy of mind book out there. It's uh, Jaguan Kim. Ah, I predicted it, dude. <laughs> That's my number one that I recommended. So, uh, yeah, I that you've already knocked out two out of my three, but the number <laughs> one was Jaguan Kim's The Philosophy of Mind. It's probably the best textbook that, that there is. So good, and and really really good like he's got this whole chapter uh mind as a computing machine which uh-huh. helps you think about like turing machines and just amazing it's so good i really really appreciate this book um not everyone i don't know not everyone includes it in their syllabus but i love it i think it, everyone should and then uh for like a recent one um richard swinburne are we bodies or souls yeah i had him on my channel to talk about that one yeah, he's coming on my channel to talk about it too. I'm, really? I'm stoked nice. for it. Finally got him, dude. Finally got him. Yeah. He <laughs> you could have his... me on your channel to, to just <laughs> pretend. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Just put a just put a still picture of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um this dude, this book's tough. Like <clears throat> I it look at the size of it. Yeah, I thought it was like, oh, a nice little book by Swinburne. <laughs> it was like, no, dude, there are no nice little books by Swinburne. Um, but he, he's got his stuff on designators really, really cool. I love that he like soups up Descartes' argument, and he's like, "Well, not quite, but here I'm going to soup it up." And uh, I'm I'm really excited to talk to him about Descartes and his version of Descartes' cogito and informative and uninformative des- designators. Like, dude, I'm stoked on it. So this this is one that I definitely commend to people. It's tough, but good luck. It's fun. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, you already knocked out two of mine out of the three. <laughs> so my next one was it, this one is totally underrated. It's by uh, it's Tim Crane. It's the Mechanical Mind. Oh, it's, okay. Tim Crane is great at writing. So I don't have this one um, physically, unfortunately. But um, yeah, Tim Tim Crane. Firstly, he's great at writing. He's really engaging. But secondly, the Mechanical Mind is a really good book, and it it touches on some of the neglected aspects of philosophy mind debates. So it's like, it's really big book on it's, it's really big on intentionality mm-hmm. and um, uh, computation and other sorts of things. So it, I would highly recommend that one as well for people. Okay. Um, and Tim Crane's work more generally in philosophy of mind. So yeah, those are my uh, three for philosophy of mind. It's not that much. Yeah. And then, um, I guess Tim- we can move on to. Well, Tim Crane is awesome. I love that dude. I just had him on the on the show, and that episode will be out on Monday. And we're talking about intentionality, so nice oh, plug. Dude. That nice. was perfect. Perfect. Timing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I just love him. Like he's a super generous guy too. He's really really awesome to talk with. But I love his stuff because it's a little bit different. He <clears throat> Chalmers is kind of like that too, uh, where they're just kind of different. They just think differently than a lot of the people in the field, but they're really tough, really like tough minded. So it's like you have to take what they say seriously. I really mm-hmm. like that about them. Yeah. yeah. All right, on to free will, and yeah. I'm almost certain I'm going to be n- knocking out some of yours with this one. Um, but uh, the first one is the absolutely unparalleled, and I say this with authority. This is this is the best book on free will that, <laughs> that exists. It's the uh, the Rutledge. Uh, it's a go. free will, a contemporary introduction. Um, yeah. Michael McKenna and Dirk Kerboom. Yep. Oh my goodness! Like, if you want to get like, hey, what what are the contemporary debates, and how do I how how do you get me 
up to steam as it were like how do you get yeah. me up on the train like what what are the debates going on right now in philosophy journals read this book yeah. uh, it, this is so good anyway it's I can't, I can't uh, recommend it enough. I've got all these different highlights in here, and oh my goodness! And like, this doesn't hold back. I mean, it says it's an introduction, but it doesn't yeah. really hold back. Right, uh, right. Some of it is like <laughs> you really have to mull over this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and oh my goodness, like th this book just serves to reinforce my agnosticism between libertarianism and compatibilism. Because yeah. you're reading these, like, you're like, dang, that's plausible. Yeah. And then you turn, you turn to the chapter, and it's like uh, uh, for the opposite view dang that's plausible yeah. uh and then oh yeah so super clear too like clarifies the 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 classical compatibilist incompatibilist oh, debate yeah. versus the modern and it was just like because i came i came into this through theology and everyone's still talking the classical stuff and so they don't even understand the new stuff so when i i was reading widely and i just was so confused why people were talking to particular and this book just opened it all up and like okay there's two debates here and the theologians didn't know that yeah, and it's also really balanced because um, Pierre Boom and McKenna have different views on this. So yeah. um, neither are libertarian, which was which was funny at the end. I was yeah. like, "Wait, what is Pierre Boom?" And then I, I had to ask uh, Seer a, a couple a while back. He's like, "Oh, he's a skeptic, dude. Yeah, he doesn't." Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, but you have a compatibilist and an incompatibilist at least. So I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, um, and one who affirms free will and one who denies it. So right. that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's balanced. It's good. It's clear. It's rigorous. I love it. Um, so that's my number one for free will. And I think I only have two more for this one. Um, the next one is Freedom, Fatalism, Foreknowledge by John Martin Fisher and Patrick Todd. This is very, very good. It's a collection of essays on the topics of freedom, fatalism, and foreknowledge, of course. Um, it's got Hart Jordan in here, um, Arthur Pryor, uh, what's his name? Um, Trent Merricks, Peter Van Inwagen, yeah. Michael Ray, Linda Zygzebski. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Um, and that one is also helpful to get you up to debates, up to speed. And then the one that I recommend to people who just are wanting to, to get into the free will debate is Robert Kane, of course. Robert Kane's A Contemporary uh, Introduction to Free Will. Yeah. This is, it's, it's short. It's super clearly written. It goes Everyone through the major arguments. Yeah. It, this is, like, if I were teaching an intro class, this is, this is definitely what I would use. Um, so I, I highly recommend this is This is the starter. This is the essential starter yeah. <laughs> before you start graduating to, like, these more um higher higher level ones so anyway yeah. those are my three for free will yeah i only i only had a couple more because um all the ones like i have a lot on uh like like john martin fisher where it's like like responsibility and control i love but it's not like mm, it's it's specialized so like the one we just uh, the routledge one is amazing because it's going to give you this huge watt like scope the other one, uh, I have it over there. I forgot to grab it, but it's four views on free will. And John Martin Fisher is one of the contributors. So I, I don't know who edited it. I'm sorry, folks, but you can find it on Amazon. Just search John Martin Fisher, four views on free will. And I really like that one too. I think the contributors are good in there. So yeah, free will is fun, man. And and it's it's one of the fields where I feel like it's so lively. I feel like things are just going like popping right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That one, that's another one where it's like, Oh my goodness, this, this debate is so difficult. Um, yeah. It's another one of those where it like, I almost start to sympathize with Peter Van Inwagen and Mysterianism. I'm like, dude, this, yeah. this stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's so tough. <clears throat> Matt Flummer, 
uh, the co-host of the Free Will Show, which is uh, amazing. I recommend that to everyone. Super good. I've, everyone go listen I've, to listened, that. I've listened to every single one of their episodes. They're so good. I, dude, I have notifications turned on for their YouTube channel. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, they're they're amazing. They're good dudes too. And and Matt is so funny. Where he's just like, this stuff's tough. I'm like, Matt, what what do you believe, dude? And he's just like. Depends on the day. I'm like, no, no, no. You study this stuff. He's like, I study this stuff. That's why I can't decide. <laughs> exactly. I sympathize right. with that so much. Like, yeah. I, I think there's free will, but I don't, I don't know if it's libertarian, if it's compatibilist, and yeah, and then more responsibility is a whole different thing. And then, oh you know, my gosh, like, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's really fun. That's that's something I haven't had a whole ton of time um, to to work on lately. It's just like other stuff, like metaphysics, has been pulling me in and, and philosophy, religion, but. It's a, it's a big field and it's like burgeoning right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, that's a good one. Let's uh, let's jump in. You got, you got some uh, some stuff for philosophy of language? Uh, not really. This is one of the fields that I haven't studied all that much. I mean, I uh, I know a lot of like the basic terrain to be able to engage in <laughs> philosophy. Like, of course, I know what the distinction is between a rigid designator and non-rigid designators with proper names and definite yeah. and indefinite descriptions and things <laughs> like that. But in terms of like the subtle debates that are going on in philosophy of language, I'm totally out of touch, unfortunately. I only have one book in here that um, I haven't even read the whole thing. I've only read portions. Uh, and it's, um, it's Michael Morris. It's from Cambridge Introductions to Philosophy. Okay. Um, so it's, it's just called An Introduction to the Philosophy of Language. Um, what I read from that, it was quite clear. And um, it covers uh, a sufficient um, extent or breadth of the terrain, as it were. Yeah. Um, and I know Rutledge has one, um, philosophy of language, a contemporary introduction. I haven't read it. Um, so I don't know if I can. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. It is yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. It's probably. William Lichen. And a lot of people are like, this is his jam. Like, this is really good. Um, I haven't read all of it, but, but from what I, I need to, but from what I, what I have read and the people who have recommended it, it's like, get this book. Yeah. Nice. They should, I... they should sponsor us, dude. Rutledge needs to like <laughs> give us some money here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, so I have a, uh, a couple here. Um, I put this in there, like a realist conception of truth by William Alston. Um, because I think that he's kind of handling truth more in the linguistic uh, model, or at least the people he's interacting with like Putnam and, um, yeah. So it might be in metaphysics, but no, I, I think it's more, I think it's more in the philosophy of, of, of language. And if it's not, whatever, uh, you're getting this for free. <clears throat> but I really like this book. I really like Alston. I like the way he thinks. Uh, I think he's a super clear thinker, and it just like sucks you in. If you get it, if you get this in Rasmussen, like you're gonna be so good on truth. Like it's gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be awesome. Um, <clears throat> for my listeners, they know I just I love Donald Davidson. So like, he's got this. Um, all his essays or all his his journal articles are now in books. So this is Donald David. Terrible title, but subjective, intersubjective, and objective. That's terrible. That, like, that is a very bad look, title. Look at the look at the Force Ghost. <laughs> <clears throat> like I don't know why they made him look like Gollum, and they're like, "This will be good." Just they did he, my man so dirty here. He almost looks like the. Um, there's this uh, weird cult um, that was like the Hale Bop Comet. Or, I don't know if you oh, remember yeah, this. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they committed like mass suicide, and they had like the black Nikes that they all wore. That that looks like the. What the, the the leader of that? He looks like he <laughs> what his name is like Bo or whatever. I think it was Bo or whatever. I don't know. I forget. Oh man, <laughs> that's what it looked like. <clears throat> yeah, that's wild. Well, so they they need to like change the title and the cover. Oh, Heaven's Gate. That's what it's called. Heaven's Gate. It's okay. Cold. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but in in this, uh, I don't know. I don't know how Davidson's received nowadays. 
but I know like his his uh, his stuff on truth. Uh, people have kind of like rejected like out like they're just not there anymore. But like his stuff on like rationality and rational animals, I think is still around, and his stuff on concepts and he's just a really cool thinker. So <clears throat> I really like this book. Um, yeah, I like I, I I love this book. There's just like. I don't know if you can see, but it's just like stupid amount of notes. Like it's super helpful for me. Yeah, I, think, if I, I wish I showed some of the notes that I've taken <clears> for some of these books. Oh my goodness! Especially yeah, they're this, just this destroyed. Introduction one is destroyed with notes. Same, same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one. <clears throat> okay, so maybe maybe people don't want to jump in on the Davidson stuff, um, but I think everyone can benefit from um, Reason, Truth, and History by Hillary Putnam. This is like a lot of really classic essays on philosophy of language type stuff, content externalism. He's got his essay on the brain, brain and a bat, problem of reference, uh, to uh, mind and body, fact and value, reason and history. Like he, I don't know, Hillary Putnam's wild, but everyone took him super duper seriously. And I mean, in the, in the philosophy of science, like just legend, but um, really good philosopher and twin earth type stuff. Like this is the book. So I, w- I would recommend people grab this one and, just read through it just to have that under your belt. So I, I, I commend this one as well. Yeah. Um, I forgot one. I mean, this is, this is on the border of metaphysics and philosophy of language. It's kind of in both, but I yeah. can't believe I, I didn't include this one, but um, yeah, it's all creepy naming and necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Course. For sure. Yep. Yeah. I got it upstairs on my table, but yeah. Yeah. Um, like for sure. Like legend, like, yes, <laughs> yeah, you got to get in on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but get on then, those rigid designators and that those that essentialism. I really like that stuff, man. That's fun. Um, yeah. So then again, like this is the this is what I would point people to. Like if you want to get in on, I should read that William Lichen. Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but <clears throat> I I've, so. I've heard it. I've heard his name pronounced, and I think it's Lichen. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Um, dude, we're almost done here. <clears throat> I think. Uh, well, yeah, that's good. We're we're on. I mean, we're timing it well. I think. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I, I put political philosophy and. Uh, for me, like, uh, I don't know if I, if I have, like, the books on it, but, like, I got into this stuff from, like, Ron Paul, and then I went into, like, Austrian economics type stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, <clears throat> I still like me some Austrian economics. But, um, yeah, I, I I don't have, like, a whole bunch. I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time on the philosophy. Uh, Neither have philosophy. I. Okay. Do you um, got anything in the... In the I, I was going to say, I mean, this is, I mean, you know, we all have to have some... Uh, this is a nice dose of intellectual humility for me. Uh, it's good that I can say this, um, even though it's not good that I say this. But I think I've only read one book in uh, political philosophy, like proper political philosophy. Yeah. It's not to say like politics. I mean, obviously, I've sure. read some from some books in, in politics, but um, in political philosophy, I think I've only read a single book. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but <laughs> I don't endorse the view defended in here. <laughs> but it's the problem of political authority. Oh, no like way, dude. Right. I was going to mention that. Um, yeah, it's the I mean, I kid you not. This is unfortunately, you got to say it again, because I think I interrupted you. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, the, the problem of political authority um, by Michael Humer. Yep. And uh, it's the only book that I've read on political philosophy. Uh, I'm not an anarchist, um, <laughs> I'm, nor am I an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, so let me say that at the outset. But it does get you into some of the issues. You know, it talks about political authority and some of the questions there that you can raise and what yeah. justifies it. And um are you consenting to be governed just because you live in a certain area? Like, you know, you investigate these sort these sorts of yeah. questions. So I found it interesting. Um, but I guess I'm just not a political philosophy kind of guy, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, 
that's not to say that it's not important. I think it's monumentally important. But I just have my interests lying elsewhere in yeah. uh, metaphysics and things like that. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, same. And I was going to recommend that book. Uh, one of my friends uh, teaches on that and just says he has a, a really fun time wrestling with the students over it because <laughs> he's like, man, humor's tough. Like, this is tough stuff uh, to wrestle with. Like, <clears throat> he, he even says, like, yeah, if you're not a theist, this is really hard. Uh, it would it, it would be really moving, but you know, as a as a Christian theist, we got certain things where it's like, yeah, you're supposed to obey your political uh, rulers, okay, but that it's a dictum, right? But it's like, okay, how do I wrestle through this? So I'm looking forward to jumping in on that and just just wrestling with with humor on that. Um, I want to be able to. This is like a hole in my in my philosophy, and I want to yeah. be able. I want to be able to at least tell people where to go. So like. Hopefully yeah. in like in a year or two years, whenever I can be like, here's, here's the shape of the argument. Here's the logical space or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> even if I'm not an expert at all, like I would like to, to, as a well-rounded philosopher, I think it'd be nice to be able to talk. I know well, that's um, something, I mean, I wish I could have a really, really, really good grasp on all these different areas, but <laughs> me too, it's, yeah. there's just not enough time. I mean, this is why I almost like, <laughs> in some sense, I want there to be like an afterlife. So I can, I guess I can read more and things like that yeah. and explore yeah, yeah. more. Yeah, because the, there's just so much. But no, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. But, um, so yeah, yeah go, ahead, I, go ahead. I was just gonna say, let's go on a value theory if we can. Yeah, and and I'm I'm a little bit similar in that. Like people keep asking me about ethics or recommendations, and I'm like, I read like Harry Gensler's and a couple others, but I kind of <laughs> yeah. just I kind of just hate ethics. I kind of just hate it. Um, and and there's more to value theory than ethics, and I'm finding that out, and that's cool. But a lot of the stuff that I think is cool in value theory is in philosophy of religion type stuff yeah so. like i'm only like I, i'm sorry people i'm only interested in meta ethics like it's the yeah. closest to metaphysics so like i can get a hold of these sorts of questions but it's like applied ethics i'm like the, these questions are so difficult man mm. and like um like the debates and like normative ethics it's like there are yeah. so many theories and they all have problems and it's like ah <laughs> anyway yeah. uh, it's so difficult but any um I'll, I'll go first on this one just because i only have yeah. three and they're kind of quick yeah. So one of them is 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 very very good, and this is what we use in a grad seminar with Pat Kane. He's an ethicist. Um, it is the Foundations of Ethics. It's edited by Russ Schaefer Landau and Terence Cuneo. Hmm. I can recommend all of Schaefer Landau and Cuneo's work. Um, uh, I hope to get them more on my channel. I had Schaefer Landau yeah. on my channel talk with Kane B. But this is really good because it introduces you to like a lot of the different theories. It talks about moral ontology first. So that's part one. It talks about error theory, expressivism. It has a bunch of different essays. Um, the second one is problems in metaethics. So from like moral motivation and reasons, uh, moral disagreement, moral knowledge. Um, so I guess it's kind of mainly a metaethical book, but it's still, it still touches on lots of these different, different areas. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm much more sympathetic to error, uh, uh, metaethics. Um, and then just two more. This one is good. The ethics toolkit. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Dude, it's like the philosopher's oh, toolkit. Same guys, huh? Yeah, but genie and puzzle. Yeah. Um, or however you pronounce it. I, 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 I always I always say it different in my head, but yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. glad you said it, not me. Um, so yeah, a companion of ethical concepts and methods. Like this is giving you the tools to think about to criti critically think in the context of, of ethics. And of course, I guess I don't use that all that much because I I don't think about ethics all that much. No, but like it's it's seriously, it's a good book. Um so it just goes through so many different, it defines all these different things. It defines rights, um, needs, merit, uh, flourishing, all these different things. And it, it talks about the different normative theories. So 
And it goes through the central concepts in ethics and the central distinctions. So the distinction between absolute and relative, the distinction between act and rule, the distinction between beneficence and non-malfeasance, the distinction between cause and reason, the distinction between um, doing and allowing, the distinction between means and ends, and so on. So like really good distinctions that you just need for your, I guess, conceptual toolkit. Again, yeah. this is an exercise in conceptual empowerment. So these sorts of books I love. Yeah. Um, and then the final one is, of course, probably a mutual friend of ours, um, or maybe even multiple mutual friends. I don't know, but Applied Ethics uh, and Impartial Introduction. Yes. So yeah, this yeah. Is, this I forgot about really, that one. This is a really nice one. It's so non-technical. Like, you, anyone can get into this. Anyone can get interested in this. And yet it still preserves, I want to say, the rigor of the argumentation. So, um, yeah, this is by Liz Jackson, Tyron Goldschmidt, Dustin Crummett, and Rebecca Chan. So I recommend this to people. I actually uh, got this as a gift for my graduation from one of my patrons. So much love. Nice. That's um, awesome. The person might even be watching this. So much love to you. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Yeah, that's huge. <clears throat> that's a great book um, from, from what I hear and from the people like, yeah, mutual friends. It, you have to endorse that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say Gensler's like for, for ethics. Um, I just don't like this stuff, man. So like, I know. Oh, I forgot one. <clears throat> um, yeah. Humor, humor. His ethical intuitionism is good. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I mean, I haven't, I'm not familiar with that. The, uh, the, um, I oh yeah, the, I am. It's the anti-realist in the audience won't like me saying that, but <laughs> at least okay, it's good in the sense of it'll give people an insight into how realists, or at least realists of a particular sort, tend to argue and tend yeah. to think. So yeah. That, that's yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's huge. Um, how about uh, how about logic? So last one here. Yeah. Are, uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I don't care. Um, let me go first. Yeah, I'll just I'll just totally cool. So um. Starting, starting out, there's like, <clears throat> I, I was collecting logic books for a while. So I have like a whole shelf of those <laughs> and, and I wasn't reading them. So that was not great. But uh, I, I started reading them again. And uh, <clears throat> I really, really like Susan Hack's philosophy of logics. And I didn't really realize that it was like, it's like meta logic. It's like yeah. logical theories. And I was like, that's what I actually love. I actually yeah. don't want to write any more truth tables. I'm kind of <laughs> done with that. Um, but <clears throat> I still count it in the logic uh, category. Philosophy of Logics. I love this book. I think it's really, really good. And you'll see like logics because she's saying like there's a, you know, there's like this debate between the, the pluralists and the monists concerning logic. So that one's really fun. Um, this might be like a sneaky one for people. So Vern Poitras, uh, he wrote Logic, a God-centered approach to the foundations of Western thought. And you might think like, oh, this is like a homeschool book or something. But <clears throat> Homie got his PhD in mathematics from like harvard i think so like he still knows his stuff and he would go in on like barbara and celerant and all the names oh of the yeah different... the medieval so that was... yeah that's like, so that was dude that's like aristotelian categorical logic kind of <laughs> fun man kind of fun like going in on some of that stuff and like some people really like memorizing that stuff and it's really helpful and that's cool i i so i i liked some of that stuff but he goes over propositional logic and then he'll say like here's why i think here's how i think this connects with god and um it's it might trigger you because it he goes so quick over it and it's like well that's not an argument you just kind of like stated it but okay um it's not that kind of thing he's just saying like here's here's how i see it um multi-valued log, uh logic like propositional uh it's good he, he goes through a lot he actually goes through a lot i <clears throat> you can't learn it all from just this because he does go way too quick um but it's like i'd say it's a nice introduction <clears throat> and then uh another really really good introduction to logic uh david kelly the Art of Reasoning. I really, really like this book. Really, really helpful compared to like 
I took an undergrad logic class, and the book was awful. I don't even. I, I hope it. it's not one of my recommendations. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I'm, I'm sure it won't be because no, it's so tell, bad. Tell me what it is. I uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Just it's, do it's, it. I don't care. It's well, they might care. I don't want to like blast somebody, and because I'm saying it's so bad. Like, well, <laughs> if I'm you say it, if you if it's one of yours, I'll say it. I doubt it is. Um. Oh, you need to say it. Man. I can't say it, dude. I can't because I, <laughs> I I was too mean. Um. <clears throat> that I, I like the art of reasoning. That one like saved me from this other one. But uh, actually, my first one was was Harry Gensler's Introduction to Logic, and I really like it. He's got this weird star system in here, and I don't recommend doing his star system. It's kind of like outmoding your your reasoning. You're just like looking for patterns instead of like thinking about it. And and maybe if you're trying to see if the argument's valid, okay. Um, but it's just like this weird extra step that I don't think you need to do. And he's got. A DVD that comes with it. Don't use the DVD, I'd say. But the rest of it's awesome. It's, it's what good. even is a DVD at this point? <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that's right. That's how yeah. Going back, we're going back a little bit on that. That's hilarious. Um, I think probably the best one is uh, Copy and Cohen's. I, I I really like this one, and it from oh, what yeah. I hear from I've heard that one being recommended before. Yeah, from my from my like older philosopher friends, they're all like it's in its fourteenth edition, so it's been around <laughs> for a while. Uh, you don't have to get the fourteenth that's just a money ploy like that's from the publishers doing that and they're like let's change this word so i can get more money make them buy the this book's really good i think it'll help you get a really good grasp um once you have that then i would say again back to uh ted sider's logic for philosophy yeah that's that's just so good yeah yeah all right so that's me yeah no that's awesome so you definitely took my ted sider one um like i'd say get it get a grasp of the, the propositional and predicate logic yeah, and quantify logic big. first um but once you get that yeah go on to ted sider's um philosophy logic for philosophy um okay so now on to uh my recommendations which I'll, i just crossed that one off so the first one and uh, these i only have one of them is on uh hard copy the first one <laughs> this is what i'm hoping you didn't say um this is the one that purdue uses for its philosophy uh for its philosophy logic classes and it is language proof and logic it's oh no really no that, that's that's everyone says that's amazing everyone says it that's is the so book. good it is so it's amazing so i highly recommend that one it's one of my top recommendations for someone who wants to get into it and it comes with well if you buy the if you buy the book right you get like a code and you just download some software and it doesn't hurt your computer or anything i still have the software and it's really cool like there's it has this world and there are various shapes and you, you like test inference rules you test the validity of things it's super cool and it comes with like a validity checker so you construct proofs and sub proofs hmm. it's fitch style right so fitch style is pretty uh standard it's one of the mo- most standard styles that used in philosophy so yeah. it's really good language proof and logic i highly recommend it so that's one of my first recommended logic books yeah. the second recommended logic book for again propositional predicate quantifier etc is um it's called Classical Logic and Its Rabbit Holes, a first huh. course. Okay. Yeah. And that's by Nelson Landy or Landa, something like that. So mm. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, but that is also a really good introduction. And uh, a lot of people like Liz Jackson recommends this one um, to people as her number one go-to for recommending people getting into logic. Awesome. The, okay. Um, my, uh, my recommendation is language proof and logic. Yeah. Uh, but I, I put this one on there because of Liz Jackson. So Okay. <laughs> so I, just, I actually haven't read this this one that i'm recommending, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the classical logic and its rabbit holes but because liz really highly recommends it i put it on there so and liz, liz is a beast so yes she, exactly she says liz, liz is a queen and so yeah. yeah you can't you can't not put that on there right okay 
Uh, the next one is for people who specifically want to get into modal logic, but also how it relates to philosophy. Modal Logic for Philosophers. It's a book mm. by James Garson. I mm. recommend people check that out if they want to understand <laughs> what is this? What are, what are people doing with these boxes and diamonds and the accessibility yeah. relation? Like, um, so yeah, I recommend that. The next one, I only have two more recommendations. The next one is my physical copy, which I absolutely love. It is by, so this guy is so great, Eric Steinhardt. I've had him on my channel like two times or something like that. Hmm. More precisely, the math you need to do philosophy. Oh, yeah, this yeah. Is, That's... This, this is just like Lang, uh, Papineau's. Uh, Papineau mentions in every one of the, like, every all his recommended readings that after each chapter. It's like, <laughs> and this book again, and this yeah. book again. So yeah. this, again, this is like, this is the math you need to do philosophy. Like, this is not clickbait mm -hmm. title. <laughs> so it goes, sets, relations machines so like um what are state machines what are these rules um semantics probability hmm. information theory uh decisions and games so talking about like expected utility and game theory and then from the finite to the infinite so um talking about limits uh, recursively defined things um infinity hilbert hotel super tasks and then even bigger infinities that's the final chapter where you're talking about Cantor's diagonalization argument yeah, these sorts of things. Stuff, so like dude. that's fine that yeah exactly so this is a uh, this is needed if someone wants to do philosophy. Yeah. Um, and then the final one, which is just a resource for people, it's called the Open Logic Project. Hmm. And a bunch of logic professors and so on are like, hey, let's make logic freely available to the public. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's what I try to do with my channel and what you try to do with your channel. So I'm all yeah. on board with these, like, trying to break down the, I don't know, the the academic publishing is in it for the money and so on. And, like, I want people to be able to read books. I want people to be able to... <laughs> I want people to be able to understand these sorts of things. And uh, for I just want to make education much more available to people yeah. um, for a much cheaper price. And, and especially free, as we try to do on our <laughs> channel. So the Open Logic Project, it's open access, right? So they have a bunch of different books. And some of them get, like, super technical. But it's, like, amazing. And they're, like, textbooks. So they have propositional logic. They have modal logic in there. And, like, we're talking serious logic, like, Anyway, it's, I, cannot awesome. recommend, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I recommend that. Um, so, yeah, that's logic. And I think that takes us to the, the last part of our video. Oh, yeah, man. We made it. We did it. So, uh, folks, that's like you know, those are books that will help you grow in uh, in your philosophical acumen. Uh, 